have a question for you. What time did you get up? Yeah, a lot of times it makes sense to smack that snooze button. Now, we talked last night about uh, things that make sense based on our desires, our perspective on the situation, and what's most important to us, our value structure. Uh, this is the way we operate. And uh, it just happens below the, below the radar. We don't notice this. Uh, we get all discouraged and depressed. And the reason we get discouraged and depressed is because of desires and the way we read situations and what's most important to us. Hmm. Uh, there, are, there are people. Uh, I, I read of a guy in North Carolina. He's a poor guy. lived in the mountains and uh, had a small house. This is about 35 years ago. And uh, after years and years and years, one day someone dropped by who knew uh, something about gemstones. This fellow had a large rock that he used as a doorstop. <laughs> that rock was worth $43,000. His, his perspective shifted, and so did his lifestyle. Reality hadn't changed. Only perspective. Hmm. Uh, this, is, this is the way things move through life. Uh, your folks do what they do because of what they desire and what, what they want most. They probably have several desires. And then the way they see life and the way they see you. Uh, if you understand this, you can begin to try to understand them. If you understand this, you begin to try to understand other people. If you understand this, then if you're a pastor of a church like me, you don't get so discouraged because the whole city did not come to worship on Sunday. Why didn't they come? It didn't make any sense to them to come. Some of them don't have any idea we exist. Uh, others, they maybe have other places they'd rather go, like another church or the golf course. Now, they're doing what makes sense to them. As a leader, one of the things I, one of my biggest challenges, both in my family and in raising a family and then in leading a congregation is, how can I make the right things make sense to people? So you work on this. It's not just for you. You work on this. This actually is the basic understandings behind marketing even. People do what makes sense to them. So what do you do? You might go after the rational factor and go after perspective, but especially you go after desires because desires motivate people. Uh, this is just how life works. You operate like this and you don't think about it. I want you to think about it because you have maybe 50, 60 years ahead of you. And you're going to live it out of the perspective that you have. And most of the time, you're going to get your perspectives and your values just like kids get measles. They get around people who have them, and they end up with them. So you need to think about this. Uh, also, this, your perspective begins to figure into spiritual warfare and just dealing with problems in your life. So I want to address a thing called the reality shift, and I discovered that my printer had confused some documents. Uh, so the page that you have is the real page. I may, I may go different places depending on my notes. 
but you just stay with the real page. Now, the reality shift. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, some things have happened to you. Uh, you have not experienced them, but they've still happened to you. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are considering stepping into a huge reality shift. And we're going to take a look at that. Um, first, believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, people who say, I believe, I believe in Jesus, I accepted Jesus, all, all this other stuff, different terms that we use, uh, mean a lot of different things by the terms. In the Bible, belief is not just, I think this is true. It's, I think this is real. What's the difference between true and real? Americans particularly have two categories in their head. One of them is true and the other is real. The world's 25,000 miles around, approximately, at the equator. That's true. Uh, gravity. You know, you get on a high place and you fall, it hurts. Gravity is not only true, it's real. I painted the gables on our old, we, we redid, redid a house, two-story house. Ripped off the walls, ripped up the floors, replumbed it, everything. It took a while. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> I have nightmares where we bought another old house. I think, why did I do this? Uh, at the time, it was necessary. We didn't have the money for anything else. And I, I could do woodwork. But um, anyway, we, we redid this thing, and I, I painted the gables on, on the house. Uh, this is a tall two-story house. It had 10-foot ceilings. So the gables were way up there. I got a 40-foot extension ladder, ran it up the side of the house, not 40 feet, but pretty far. And when I got to the top of the ladder, I nailed nails into the wood of the house and tied ropes around them. Why? Because I believe gravity is real. <laughs> gravity hurts. Truth doesn't hurt the way we think about it. Truth is just true. I believe there's a God. That's true. It doesn't affect my life any. But in, in Scripture, actual faith has to do with reality. Believing in Jesus Christ is basically I'm trusting him enough to I trust him to the extent that I obey him. Now, obeying is not what saves someone. It's not what brings someone into a relationship with God. You trust him. But the trust is not just, oh, I believe he's there. Sort of the big juju in the sky somewhere. There's an old song out of the, out of the Jesus movement there. I'm going up to the spirit in the sky. When I die, by and by. Uh, John 3.36 sort of nails this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It's already started. Uh, the opposite of believe is whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests on him. So uh, you, whenever you believe in Jesus Christ, it's not just a mental ascent of, yeah, I believe that God exists. I believe he died on the cross. But you do what he called people to do. Follow me. You step out to follow. You trust him that much? There's connection. Uh, this is, for a lot of us, this is not comforting. 
Because the other kind of belief is sort of a lot easier, but it's just not real. Um, so Christ is real. At the moment that we submit to Christ, there is a massive reality shift. You do not see it. You don't experience it. You, you experience a few things. I've, I've seen people jump and scream because of just the release. I've seen other people sit there just cool as a cucumber. I haven't felt anything, but their lives have changed. These things, though, that I'm going to talk about are things that you don't feel, but they're true. There is a reality that exists independently from your perception of it. Uh, this is very, a very hard statement to make in postmodern times. Uh, most people agree that if you step in front of a bus, speeding bus, the consequences will not be good. Uh, beyond that, then we have all kinds of different ideas about the universe. But there are physical realities. There are also human realities. Um, if you marry a predator, male or female, you marry a predator, your life is going to be hard. Doesn't have anything to do with speeding buses. Has to do with who this person is. Uh, so they're, they're human realities. They result in divorces. They result in fractured families. Every now and then they result in somebody getting killed. But they're not just physical realities. I mean, a human personality is not a physical reality. And then there are spiritual realities. Uh, they, they exist. They're real. Uh, some, in some cultures, they're a whole lot more apparent, very obvious demonic things. Uh, in other cultures, they're like, like ours. Uh, they, here in the, in the States, you don't see a whole lot of it. I, I have seen it, but it, it's still there. Uh, so the Bible presents Satan as the ruler of this world. Jesus says he's going down, coming down to the cross, the time when he's going to be executed. Jesus says the ruler of this world is coming, the prince of this world but I've already defeated him. Uh, he's also called the God of this world. He's the God behind all the gods. 1 Corinthians 10.20 says, whenever worship is offered to these other gods, that demons gather to receive it. Well, that's just hard to verify because they're not particularly visible. But this, this is a realm uh, the Bible calls this this dark world. There's a lot of beauty in it. I mean, like the, this morning I woke up and looked out the window at the, the trees. Just beautiful. The dark world is not the physical world. It's a world of people. And um, there, it's dark because the real truth about God is not known. And there is an awareness that there is a God. And actually the Bible says the law of God is written on the human heart. So as you look at various societies, um, they disagree on some things about right and wrong. Actually, they, they agree on the vast majority of stuff. C.S. Lewis has addressed that. Uh, but every society believes some things are right and some things are wrong. Right and wrong is just written into our hearts. And we, we have this awareness. But, you know, when you hear the good news about Jesus Christ, it's not particularly good news if you're really into something and you don't want to give up. And so people tend to resist it. And then we live our lives based on what things? Desires. 
perspectives and values. Uh, scripture says that we follow the desires of body and mind, which is just normal. But uh, as we do that, we're following perspectives that are really very different from God's. And they create a lot of damage. Sometimes we have especially evil people that rise up and do tremendous damage. It's a, it's a world without the adequate truth. So anyway, uh, what happens whenever you yield your life to Jesus Christ? The Bible presents, and we'll look at this in a second, that there is this, it's called the dominion of darkness or the power of darkness. It's a realm that contains human beings. And when you, when you yield your life to Jesus Christ, you step out of the darkness into what's called the kingdom of light or the kingdom of the sun. We'll look at that verse in a moment. And when that happens, there is a massive reality shift. So we're going to look at several of these. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. What does that mean? I mean, if you yielded your life to Christ recently, you're probably not any better looking. <laughs> you probably still have a lot of the same people in your life, like parents. Uh, you, have a, you, have, you have a lot of thinking that's very much similar. You have a lot of problems that did not go away. What does this mean? What it's talking about is that, first of all, he comes to live inside you. And that, you, at that point, your, your perceptions, your will, and your, actually your value structure are connected to an eternal source. You still have choices to make. But this never existed before. Inside you beforehand was just you. Your desires, your perspectives, and your values, and your choices. Now there's someone else involved in your life who can feed different things. Also... You have, you have stepped into a very different realm. So well, we're going to look at that. The first thing that happens, one of the massive parts of the reality shift, is you are given spiritual rebirth by the Holy Spirit. Uh, again and again, if you're more familiar with the Bible, uh, there's a conversation that occurs in John 4 where um, the guy who's a scholar among the Jewish people and a wealthy man and a good man comes to Jesus by night because he doesn't want to be seen. And he says, we know you've got to be from God, so tell, tell us what, tell us this, what is it? What is it you're trying to say? And Jesus tells him, well, what I'm saying is, if you, if you really want to know God, you have to be born again. Now, he's a, he's a senior citizen. And he's thinking how uncomfortable it's going to be for his mother <laughs> for him to get back in there and come back out. So he says, you know, how can that happen? And then Jesus talks to him about the Holy Spirit and what he does. And he says, uh, you know, flesh and blood, which is what we are, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But that which is born of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, that can. So uh, this guy, a scholar, is just sort of whirling. Uh, it's a very interesting talk. What Jesus is talking about is, Whenever we yield our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, and there's something that happens to us. Life begins afresh. Now, we still have our history. We still have our context. But life has begun afresh. You need to learn about the new life. We're going to talk about walking with the Holy Spirit later. 
But there's a rebirth. We actually are adopted, the scripture says, by God. We're children of God. Beforehand, we were just sort of out on our own. Now he's brought us into the family. We're dearly loved by the Father, the Bible says. He, he loves the world. But, you know, there's a special love he has for his children. Uh, th this means that he's paying attention to you very, in very great detail. You're, you're a child he loves. This did not exist before. It's something that happens when you yield your life to Christ. There's a life track, track shift. Uh, you actually pass from death to life at that point. Um, so, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It has happened. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, what he's talking about is this. Uh, whenever we are just moving about this world, we have yet to meet Jesus Christ, we're on the life track. We are separated from God, and we are moving through this world. Uh, the Bible calls us spiritually dead. The rebirth by the Holy Spirit is not taking place. And there's a separation from God that's like being dead. And we're still very active, but we're spiritually dead. What happens at death is we just move through life, and then we come to the judgment of God, and then we go on to spiritual death for eternity. That's, that's an awful thing to think about. However, whenever you yield your life to Jesus Christ, uh, if you have trusted Christ, you have already passed from death to life. There's a different track shift you're on now. Eternal life is already flowing. You move from death to life. And on this track, you die. You don't come into judgment. You're under the Father's presence. So it's, there are a lot of people waiting to get eternal life they're going to die, and then they'll meet Jesus, and it'll be life forever. It's already started. But it's not only life forever. It's life with a different quality. It's life with a taste of heaven to it. And it's sort of like um, a cake. You know, you like, most of you like cakes. Uh, if, if someone has made a very good cake, and they turn their back, and you run your finger through the icing... And you taste it. You have not got the whole cake yet. But you already know this is good. And that's what eternal life is like. There's stuff that starts for you. The stuff that starts for you that it's going to be good. But it actually is already good. Now, you're, you're not perfect. And your world is not perfect. There are all kinds of problems in it. But you have something going on that other people do not. Not because you're great. Not because you're so smart. Not because you're so good looking, but simply because God has been kind to you and you trusted his son. Now, life's already started. It cannot be taken away from you. So there's a life track shift. You don't, you don't particularly feel this. You might feel the spiritual rebirth, but stuff is going on on the inside, but you don't particularly feel the life track shift. Romans 14, 17, 14, 17, 18. The kingdom of God, which is what you've come into, is not a matter of what we eat or drink. You know, people keep trying to set up rules for what's really Christian. But living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Life is about something very different now. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you'll please God and others, others will approve of you. 
Uh, there is a kingdom shift. We are transferred from the dominion of darkness into God's kingdom. This means that Satan no longer controls us. And though we live in the world, we're not of the world anymore. It's, there's, somehow we're just not at home like we used to be. There's just a difference. We feel things. We see things. We know things. We wish we could share with other people, but they're not particularly wanting to hear it. We're not of the world anymore. Satan no longer controls us. Though we live in the world, we're of God. So we live like children of light. Now, this kingdom shift, the Bible takes very, very seriously. Now, the thing I mentioned about the enemy being in control of the world of people uh, is, in the Bible, a very serious thing. So Paul says in, at the last of the book of Acts, which is a history of the early church, he makes a statement that God called him and told him, you turn people from the power of Satan to God. Hmm. I thought he called him to just get them saved. That's what a part of, major part of salvation is getting out of that trap. But it, so this kingdom is real. Uh, this, and the kingdom shift is real. In Colossians 1.12, this is what the verse says. The Father has qualified you to share in the, inher to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. There has been a rescue mission. The divine SWAT team penetrated the enemy camp and has brought you out alive. You're now free. You're in the kingdom of the son. You submit to him and that is freedom. You'll learn more about that as you age. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Again, Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Now, you actually have a different directive. And the world's directive is party. Get what you want in life. Our directive is live like children of light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness. You'd actually do good to people. You know, there's a lot you could do to them, and some of them you want to. But you do good to people, goodness, righteousness, you live by the Lord's standards, and truth. We find out that our perspectives and our values are not in line with God. We just work on changing them. Um, and find out what pleases the Lord. So, our life now, in the kingdom of light, is we're just trying to find out what pleases God and do that. So, you're trying to figure out your boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Find out what pleases God. Hmm. Hadn't thought about there's three of us, not just two of us here. <laughs> Find out what pleases God. Uh, redo your dating life. Just understand God's always in the back seat. You, re redo, you redo your approach to the academic life. The butterflies did not eat my homework, Professor. I'm sorry, I lied. <laughs> he starts stepping up to the challenge and producing. Why? That's pleasing to the Lord. This, this is a very different approach to life. Instead of, what can I get by with? The question is, well, 
Why would it really please Daddy? I know he loves me. Why would it really please him? It's a very different focus. But the kingdom has shifted. You, you do not see this a whole lot in the normal flow of things. I have been in situations where I have. Uh, the power of Christ over the devil is very dramatic. And um, the, um, it, it occurs in missionary situations with power confrontations do, but it also occurs here in the United States occasionally. This is a very dramatic thing. So, uh, kingdom shift. You once were a citizen of darkness. Now you're, just, you're a citizen of the kingdom of light. Uh, another one, fusion with Christ. Um, the Bible says you're united with Christ. And that's sort of hard to get hold of. I, I meant to bring you a picture of the original Siamese twins. You guys ever seen them? They were born about 1828. And around age 18, uh, they were in, they, they grew up in Thailand, Thai, Thai people, Chinese living in Thailand. And uh, they were joined by uh, a, a, a bit of skin, I, I think maybe a part of the livers were joined. Uh, young men, 18 years old, and a fellow was doing a world tour, a rich guy, who was in the show business. And he talked to the parents, and they became a part of it. He created a show, and they were a part of it. And they got rich out of it. They later moved to the United States, bought a 110-acre farm in North Carolina, and very successful people. They married sisters. <laughs> that was probably smart. Uh, things went along well. They had 18 or 21 children between them. That's amazing. And um, they... Uh, they were pretty successful people, known for integrity, and uh, died in their 60s. So, but they, if you had someone attached to you, it'd be hard to lie. <laughs> but the other person, no, he didn't either. <laughs> they refused, and um, there, there are situations where, you know, people are a lot more fused than they were. But uh, they, uh, they have a lot of descendants back east and uh, lived a long life. So they're fused. They always have this other person present. And that makes for an interesting life. You have been, you have been united with Christ. You have been fused with Christ in some way. Exactly what that looks like, I'm not sure. I can tell you the characteristics of it, though. We are united with Christ. He moves into us. He lives within us. He is able to communicate insight. He's able to motivate. He can plug into desires. And he is able to give energy and power. And I've experienced these things, and probably you have too. Uh, he does not replace my personality. And nobody's going to confuse me with him. If anything, I'm the uglier one. But we're, he's, we're refused together. I, I am never without, without him. So, uh, because of that, his death and burial and resurrection to a new life are mine. This is a very different kind of thinking. Romans 6, 12 through 14. You have a scripture there. Let's look at it together. 
We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? What does that mean, we died to sin? I mean, you still sort of like it, right? Yeah. What does that mean? All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Whenever you yield your life to Christ, it's, it, it, what, it, what happens is his death becomes yours. There's some things you died to. Um, and we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. You can actually live a very different kind of life now. It will not be perfect. But you now have the possibility. He came alive, resurrection power, to a very different quality of life. If you follow Christ, you have been raised to a new life. You need to discover the power source and how to make that happen. Again, it's not going to be perfect. Your parents will sure be glad, though, I promise. After about five or ten years, as they see what's happened in you. But um, he goes on. If we have been united with him like this in his death, and we have, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. And in the days to come, we'll have a body like his. But right now we're living this resurrection life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. Your old self was crucified with him. What does that mean? I mean, there's so much of the old self that still really appeals to you. What does that mean? Well, he goes on. Because everyone who has died has been freed from sin. Um, we, have, we have actually, in some way, been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. In the same way, here's, here's the word. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I, was, I heard a guy speaking one time, and he said, well, if someone's dead, you can go over and smack them. They don't do anything. You can praise them. It has no impact on them. Uh, you can kick them. They don't respond. You are dead to sin. Now, here's my problem. Whenever sin came over and smacked me, I was pretty responsive. Whenever, whenever the opportunity for lust appeared, oh, my word. Or anger, yes. Somehow, I was not insensitive to sin. Uh, but it turns out his illustration was wrong. What, what's being talked about is, if you are a part of the kingdom of darkness, if you're a part of this world, you, you have a certain amount of will that you can move with, but your chain is fairly short. You'll go so far where you have both noble and cruel desires. You'll go so far with the good, and then things just go back to where they were. In Christ Jesus, that chain is broken. You now have a choice. You can cooperate with Christ, or you can go back to that stuff. But the chain is broken. That's the way you're dead to it. You not choose. Uh, if you are a Christ follower, tell me, do you have real struggles with sin? I do. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to testify. Anybody else? Let's see your hands. Yes, there are some of you awake. Yeah. 
One of the marks of the Christ follower is they struggle. The rest of the world, they have a little twinge of conscience, but there's not that kind of struggle. The war going on on the inside. So, uh, there's been a death here and a resurrection to a new kind of life. I, I want to learn more about what that means. Uh, let's go on. He goes, uh, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. You can actually choose not to let it reign. Now, you may want to let it reign. And so you're going you're to have to work on some stuff. But don't let it rain, uh, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, rather than offer yourself to God. Uh, you actually, whenever we get into sin, what we're actually doing, you're actually saying, okay, sin, go ahead and have a good time with me. And he's saying, whenever you face these choices, you don't have to do that. You may, because you're not complete yet. But you need to understand that there is a choice and there are things you can do to move a different direction. You need to seize on this. He doesn't mean you can walk totally away from sin and never sin again. No, we're not there yet. We will be one day when Christ returns or we meet him face to face. Offer yourself to God. Uh, if you're sitting around not offering yourself to anything, sin is going to find you. So you need to be in motion. As those who have been brought from death to life, offer the parts of your body as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not, this is, this is how you die to sin. Sin shall not be your master. Before it mastered you. Now you can submit to it again. It all depends on what you really desire. What's most important to you. Uh, so there has been a fusion with Christ. It is not a confusion of personalities. He does not replace mine, and I am not him. But I am now joined to him in a way that means that I have some power to deal with stuff I never had before. And he's always in the back seat. Uh, let's go to another one. Fusion with Christ. Then, status shifts. You have, not you have not personally experienced these in your experience, but these are true. And we're going somewhere with this. I was going to, you're going to be working on a project based on it in just a moment. So I, I am not simply trying to give you great rhetoric. Uh, the, these things are reality, status shifts. Because of what Christ did for us, what's true about us has changed. I look the same. I wish. Whenever you became a Christian, you know, you look like a supermodel, but it's not been true. Uh, we, I, I want to walk you through some of the changes. We were filthy in sin. The Bible uses the image of being cleansed. We were filthy in sin. Uh, sin is rebellion against God. And the way the universe is, the way God is, the way the universe is, the universe before sin was like a clean room. You know, there's, in the manufacture of sensitive computer parts, the people wear suits. They suit up. It's very, very important there not be uh, dust in the room of any kind. Or in areas where people are dealing with diseases. Uh, people wear suits. They're extra, extra careful about microbes, viruses. And, and this is the way the universe was. It was just simply good. 
And then when human beings rebelled, it's sort of like someone let Ebola loose in the clean room. And it has destroyed millions, and actually billions. You know, Stalin himself, ruler of Russia, Stalin killed between 60 and 120 million people of his own, of his own nation. Can you imagine that? People debate over whether it was 80 or 60 or 120. But millions, men, women, children. You know, this, this, is, this did a terrible thing. Now we live in, in, the Ebola, in the Ebola arena, so we see some terrible things every now and then, but we, to us it's normal. But that's not the way it was. So when the Bible uses images of being filthy or being dirty, being unclean, it's a very, very strong image. Uh, now, though, we've been set apart for God. We, we were dirty, filthy. But now, we've been cleaned up, and we are reserved for God. The term is sanctified. That, that term means set apart for God's use. Um, we're sanctified. Another one. Uh, we've been declared. Uh, we were guilty. Uh, we were, when it, whenever it came to being right or wrong, we were, we were thoroughly wrong. And we were guilty of a lot of things. And again, on a human scale, we weren't mass murderers. But when you compare us to the clean room, oh yeah. Uh, we, we were filthy, we were, and we were sinners from the heart. Now, we are righteous. Hmm. Righteous means that According to all of God's standards, we have, they have been satisfied, and we, do, we are right before him. Now, you may not feel that way, but this is what has been true of you. We're outsiders to God's special people. Um, we were without God in the world. And uh, they, have, they have certain privileges. The Jewish people in the Old Testament had certain privileges. And... Everybody else is an outsider. Those who follow Christ, they've been included in the people of God regardless of their religious heritage, their race, their status in society. They've been included. We have the privileges of being close to God now. Outsiders, now we are adopted into the royal family. The Bible calls us the children of God and speaks of us as royalty. Uh, circumcised, that of course has to do with physical circumcision. But we have all been marked as belonging, that marked people as belonging to God, marked men. Now all have been marked as belonging to God. Now we're made one of God's people with their privileges. I'm, I've given you verses here. I'm not going to go into them. We're made priests. Uh, you and I can actually go into the presence of God through Christ Jesus, and we can ask for things to be done for us and for other people. Um, Access, that kind of access to the throne room is just amazing. But he made us a kingdom of priests, the Bible says. And so you, uh, one of the truths about you, if you're a Christ follower, is you are a priest. And so you don't live a, just an ordinary life. Uh, you are a priest. You've also been declared, uh, and, and you're an heir. You're actually an heir of God. I don't, I don't know if you've ever grasped this or not. But according to the Bible... 
Uh, as Christ Jesus returns, you, you actually have already started to participate with him in the rule of the universe. The Bible says you're seated with him in the heavenlies. What that means is on a spiritual plane. You're already there with him because you're fused with him. Uh, all, that, all that is not fully here yet, but it's already started. Whenever, it, whenever he returns, you will participate in everything that he earned. It'll be partly yours. Uh, so, you're in, the Bible calls us an heir. An heir doesn't have the inheritance yet, but <laughs> if he hangs around, it will happen. And God has all these good things laid up for us. The Bible talks about them again and again and again. But you know, whenever you're in the middle of a problem, <clears throat> you can't see that stuff. As a matter of fact, you don't feel like an heir. And sometimes in the middle of spiritual battle, uh, years, in, in year, gone by years, I was a pastor. Uh, we lived in a very old house in a very, actually pretty dangerous part of town. Sometimes gunfire would start, and we'd just cut out the lights and lie on the floor. We had some very rich guests over one night, and we had to cut out the lights and lie on the floor. They never came back. <laughs> uh, so, but it took that to start the church. As sometimes I just get so in the hole emotionally. I would drive, I'd get in my car, and I'd drive down to downtown Fort Worth. Fort Worth at that time was about 400000 in the city limits. Um, I'd drive through the big buildings, and I would say out loud to myself, one day this will all be mine. One day this will all be mine, if there's any of it left. Why? Because I did not feel like this. My perspective was, I am deprived by God. I can't even see anything that good. But the truth was, I'm an heir with Christ. Now, you're going to live life out of one of those. Which one's real? Or actually, yeah, which one's real? Not just true, but real. The Bible says you have been made an heir, so you live like this. Now, let's go on. We've been declared to be these things. Uh, these have been declared true of us, Christ. So you are righteous. You may not act very righteous, but God treats you as though you are righteous because Christ Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sin. You are a priest. You may be a pretty sorry priest in practice, but God has made you one. You have to learn to rise to the challenge. Uh, you have already been declared holy. You have not, maybe you've not been living very holy, but you've already been declared this. You need to rise to the challenge now. These things are true. Uh, we've been given the rights and privileges that go with them, and God will treat us this way. This is important in spiritual warfare. Experientially, though, we still sin and we struggle. When we meet Christ face to face at death or when he returns, these things will be complete. They will be experiential for us. Right now, they're real, but we don't experience them. And we are so into experience. I really, I really felt like I connected with God. I just, oh, it was such an experience. I've, I've actually heard that testimony from people of different religions. Because the demonic helps with it. And we do have real experiences with the Lord. I have. However, my friend, these things are real. 
They're not just true, they're real. And they affect how we live. Well, you're going to do a project related to that. Uh, one of the things this means for us who follow Christ is we now live indicative, imperative. We don't live imperative, indicative. Uh, what, what does imperative mean? Anybody in English major? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it involves a command. A command to act. Indic- and, uh, indicative is another mood. It states something that is true. Uh, the way we live is this. Because I am holy, then I start trying to act holy. Because I am righteous, God has made me righteous in Christ Jesus, then I start trying to act that way. Because I have been made a priest, I start trying to figure out what it is priests do and do it. Now, the other route is this. In order to be a priest, I have to go through all this stuff. I have to climb the ladder to get there. I have to imperative. I have to do so that I can be. If I want to be really holy, then I have all these physical disciplines I have to go through and stuff I have to do to my body to purify my soul. And then maybe I, I can get to that next level of holy. I have, if I want to be righteous, then, oh, good grief. I'm going to have to do all these mental exercises. <sighs> I'm going to have to start taking some kind of medications to calm me down. Uh, I've, I've got to do something in order to be righteous. This is the way the, the religions of the world move and then the philosophies. You want to be, you must do Well, the way it is with the faith, Christ has already done it. So I am. Therefore, I do. I'm not trying to be holy. I am holy. I'm a sorry case of it. But I am holy. Therefore, I need to act holy. I'm not at the big game of life, like a pinball machine or maybe a video game. And I'm trying to score 500 million so I can... Get to the next life. No, I've, I've already have all the lives I need. I just want to see how much I can score. Now, if it's pinball, most, most people are banging off this experience and the other experience and the other experience. They're trying, to, they're, they're trying to get enough. I already have enough. My life is now about seeing what all can be accomplished for the good that has been done to me. This is a very different mentality. Uh, we live uh, indicative. We are. We already are. Therefore, we do. That sounds a little silly because, I mean, you, you know you. And then you know these other people. Before God, Christ Jesus made me holy. I, have a, I am indebted now to be holy, but not so I can become holy. The Bible says, you know, be holy for he is holy. Yeah, my father is like that. I want to please him. But it's not so that I can be holy. Christ already did that for me. So I move now from a position of having been made right with God to acting right before God. I still have struggles. But this, this is the beginning. Uh, this is one of the major understandings of spiritual warfare. Now, the reality shifts are very, very important in our, in our internal battles. Amid a spiritual skirmish with the enemy, 
The enemy will run thoughts and feelings into you, accusing you and condemning you. I don't know if you've ever had this or not. So that we become discouraged and dejected. Uh, what, you, what runs through your mind is, I did that, oh, you filthy, you filthy person. And we think, yeah, really, I'm, I'm a mess. And we begin to get discouraged. Uh, instead of that, what you reply is, I am cleansed by Christ for all time. Uh, what I did was wrong, but I am already cleansed. I need to straighten this out now. Another one, guilty. You know, you look back on stuff you've done and you just feel so guilty. And some of you have a lot to be guilty about. Some of you have less. But you still feel guilty. You begin to drag around. And you need to understand that just like the enemy is able to give David thoughts about, hey, number Israel, number the fighting men of Israel. That sounds really good. A king could be proud of things like that. Or to Ananias, uh, if you just lie about how much you gave, oh, they'll really think you're something and you'll get status in the church. Maybe the leadership. And Ananias and his wife say, yeah, that's a good strategy. The, the same one who can do that to them can say these things to you. Trash. Used goods. Your life has been a mess and you are just trash. You reply, nah, nah, nope. That thought, that thought comes in, but I am a new creation. I refuse to live with that. I have done wrong. And boy, maybe I have been used, but I am a new creation. I refuse to accept that. You sinner! Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. You, you, do, you do something wrong. Maybe, maybe you intended, maybe you didn't. But anyway, the thought comes, you know, you just, you're just a sinner. You, you talk all these things about following God, and here you are sinning, and you begin to drag, you reply, righteous. I blew it. It's wrong, but I'm righteous. I will, not, I will not accept that. You nobody. Who are you to think God will help you? Well, let me tell you. I'm one of the people of God. I'm a child of the king of the universe. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. In the royal family. I'm a priest set apart by God for his service. I'm an heir with Christ, already seated with him on his throne. I refuse that. You failure. Your dreams will never come true. Well, there are times you feel like that, and you hear, you, maybe you hear those thoughts. But the reply is my dream, I, I will see the return of Christ. That's when my dreams will come true. And I rejoice in that. I refuse to accept this condemnation here that's going to park me. Because of what awaits me, I'm in motion. Now this, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, uh, this for years and years and years is a very common experience. And uh, you have to learn how to deal with this kind of thing. Because you will live for weeks under condemnation. That's just a lie. Now, if you want to say, I'm holy, therefore you should respect me. Well, you earn the respect. You may be holy, but you've been set apart for God. You want to learn to act that way. You will have respect if you, earn, if you act that way over time. Uh, there's no pride here. I'm a child of God. Who are you? No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just a waif. I'm an orphan. That got brought into the royal family out of the kindness of God. He didn't look out and say, oh, that one is so good looking. I want him. 
No, no, I was pretty dirty and scruffy. But he brought me in out of his kindness. I'm humble in this. But these things are true. Now, you have a project. And it deals with dealing with these thoughts. We're going to get into it in a second. Let me summarize what I'm saying. Uh, You're going to university right now. And in the university realm, none of this stuff is recognized. Unless you're going to Cal Baptist. And then some people might recognize it. None of this stuff is recognized. It is recognized in the kingdom community where people actually know the word of God. It does not give us pride and exaltation. It gives us great humility and gratitude. It makes us servants because we have been treated so well. We want to please the Father. However, in, in the internal struggles, as you and I do struggle with sin, you're probably struggling with some right now. In the middle of the struggles, if you begin to believe the enemy's lies, you begin to lose traction. Uh, if you are struggling with sin, it's a fight, my friend. How long do you fight a fight if you're having to fight? How long do you fight? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're either down or you're, you're standing. Americans, particularly this society, uh, we, don't, we don't think of fights. We think we ought to just say, Jesus, help me, and then, boom, he hits the Staples Easy button. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Yeah, that was easy. And it's a fight. I mean, whenever you fight, you you slug through stuff. But you do come out the other side if you're functioning based on truth and reality. However, if you listen to the lies, you'll have problems. So this is a practice in just using some of the things you've learned here. This is the beginning of setting life in a very, very different direction. It really starts with the rebirth, with Christ moving in. And then you begin to see things differently. Actually begin to desire some things differently. And you begin to sense, yeah, some of the values got to change. But this is really important that you grasp this. And you learn to use it in your own inner thought life. We're going to deal with other stuff tonight. But this is, this is a very important starting point. You can check all these verses. I would, I would recommend you do that. If you're not doing other things in your quiet time, you might use them for quiet time over the next few weeks. Check all these verses. You and I, if you're a Christ follower, you live because I am, therefore I do. If you're thinking about following Christ, this is what you're, what you're getting ready to do. You're not, you're not stepping into another ladder-climbing attempt to get at God. You're stepping into a relationship with God who will accept you because of what his son did and then will work with you and love you and also discipline you. He's a very good father. And spanking may not be popular in society, but he is very able. (laughs) My daughter, one time I told her, you know, God, I have to discipline you. God spanks adults too. And she's she's a pretty sharp little gal. She says, well, Daddy, how does God spank adults? I reached in my pocket. I pulled out this. <laughs> I said, he, he hits them in the wallet really hard. <clears throat> Just okay. Yeah, he will, he will discipline you, but it's not because he's mad at you. It's because he knows the good things that await for you, and you must learn. So you can get in groups of two or three. We'll take about ten minutes for this. 
and uh, work on this just to give you a little bit of practice in using this material.